Sickness, I probably sound like Shaggy. <laughs> Straight up. Oh yeah, that reminds me. Wait, I'm not done. Ooh, should I try a cowbell? It's been forever. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Drink the water, my friend. Drink the water! Alright, here we go. Warming up. Getting this cowbell hand ready. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> what happened to the other song? That Tiny Tim or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could give up on the uh, BVS. I love it too much. What's that song that No Effects used to come out to? That Tiny Tim song? Like, in the moonlight. <laughs> I don't know. There's this band. Um... Oh, wow. Wow, we are having some technical difficulties at A High Five Studios today, my friend. And health difficulties. Power supplies, the mixers aren't working, computers are taking 17 hours to update. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you, I read uh, from fucking cover to cover for the first time in 10 years of uh, the Hepatitis Bathtub book. Oh, you read it? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about that in a second, because I, I, uh, I actually just yesterday watched the Fat Wreck documentary. Really? Yeah. Did you read that book? I read that book. Yeah, yep. I thought you did. Yeah, yeah. Um... So we could we could talk some uh, early '90s SoCal pop punk if you want for a little bit. Okay. First off, welcome to the Awkward High Five podcast. And what did I want? Wanted I what? I just wanted to say something about something um, about the song about Tiny Tim. It was uh, oh, <laughs> you you were talking about how No Effects used to come out to the Tiny uh, Tim song. Yeah. And uh, there's this band that um, I've been big on for a while now. This band Pop. I think I tried to turn you on to them, right? The Canadian band. That sounds like seven seconds. No, 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 no. They sound like uh, they're kind of like they they consider themselves a punk rock band, but they're kind of like a. I, you know what? I don't know how to explain them. They're just a good rock band, you know. But um, they, uh, I was watching some of their live shit the other day. I just was. I spent the other day literally on my iPad all day. So this is the awkward high five uh, death edition because me and you are both deathly ill. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and and I guess it, it needs to be stated that we we didn't get to do a show last night on Friday, so we've already gone against our staying yeah, consistent. I thing. couldn't help it. No, I, I know. To, uh, and I was sick too. I, I I have canceled. I was telling you before that we started recording while we were waiting for the computer update and all the shit to go, all the our problems to technological problems to be solved. Um, I was telling you how I was waiting. I was looking forward to this. Uh, four-day weekend for a very long time because my old profession was in retail. So I never got the elongated Thanksgiving weekend because I used to always have to work Black Friday. And then last year, I didn't have a job, so it didn't really seem like much of a vacation. But this year, I'm working a regular, you know, nine to five, more or less job. And I've had the I had the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. And I've been looking forward to it all month. Like, this is awesome. I had plans almost every night. It was like ready, you know, ready to eat good food on Thanksgiving. I had shit to do every night. I couldn't wait, and I got deathly ill. And I've done nothing except lay in my bed in multiple hoodies and sw- and try to sweat it all out for yeah, the last three it days. Sucks. So anyway, I spent m- the better part of my day yesterday, uh, besides watching a fat wreck, the fat wreck documentary, which we'll get to in a second. Watching um, just live performances on YouTube, just going through uh, shit. I watched like 
like three hours at John K. Sampson at certain fucking colleges doing like uh, talks and then playing acoustic guitar. And then I started watching this pup band. And on the last show, on their last tour, they came out and did um, a cover song as their finale. They, they, they would come out and do a, a, a song, you know, they wouldn't do any of their songs. They would just come out and do one song as the end. And uh, guess what song it is? And I, I not hmm, how do I put this? I don't feel ripped off by it, but it's something that we used to do all the time. Not our band, but at parties. And I guess everybody the RH probably does it. It's not like it's our own thing. But I I'm surprised that nobody ever thought to, including the band that wrote this song, end their set with this song because it's such a fucking sing along. El Scorcho. Yes. <laughs> How did you know that? Brain power work. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking band pup. They come out at the end of their set and they play El Scorcho by Weezer as their last song, and the whole crowd sings along and yeah, yeah. fucking and it's awesome. Yeah, I figured. And uh, and and I was just thinking about how many parties when we were younger where we'd grab an acoustic guitar and everybody just start screaming that yeah. song, and then I started thinking to myself. Why the fuck didn't hasn't doesn't Weezer close with that song? <laughs> I don't think they ever even played that song. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they did either. Well, because they used to never play anything off, off of Pinkerton. Pinkerton. And then yeah. they started to like towards the I guess the end or when they started to suck. And then <laughs> <laughs> you mean the Green Album on? I love the Green Album, I and I love Maladroit. I, I know love a lot that. of people That's love a that. Really good album. I'm I'm one of those cliche Weezer guys where I, it's really just the Blue Album and Pinkerton for me. It doesn't mean that if I. You listen to Maladroit; it sounds like the Blue Album. They even try to bring back that. What's that bassist that like killed himself? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> or whatever that weird out that like, guy played on the green album yeah yeah no, yeah he's the one to kill himself weird out he didn't kill himself or, or he i think he just died oh he just died because uh, they had they uh, had a uh, the, um the guy that gave like weezer that that sound what's his name he's he did the rentals the guy from the rentals yeah. he he played he's not dead no 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 uh, he okay. played on the blue album and pinkerton yeah then he left and he was doing the rentals. Yeah. Then they got that weird dude who's in the Hashbite video. I, you know what yeah, I mean? That dude, he's the guy who died. Oh, did he? And then they got it shortly after that. I think he was only on the Green album. And then after that, they got the guy that's been with them ever since. Oh, uh, okay. But um, you know what he died of? I think he just drugs. Yeah. You mean Uncle Bob? He's not on <laughs> drugs. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I, and now I'm just slandering some bass player from a pocket from <laughs> no, a rock band. I have no idea. All I know is the guy died. That's all I know. I don't know. My uh, my Weezer uh, percussion fucking section, Dude, rhythm section. Since I've been on like the edge of death, I just want to say that everyone died. <laughs> <laughs> They're all dead. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, I remember going to see Weezer with you in Philly when we were like in our early twenties. During college, we like went and then came back to school, and they played um, "Tired of Sex," and I think they played uh, um, "Pink Triangle" or one other song off of Pinkerton. And I remember be- us freaking out about it, being like, "Oh my god, they're actually yeah, playing Pinkerton yeah. songs!" And yeah, and then they went on for like a decade run where they wouldn't play them, and then. Now that's like all they play. Like yeah. if you buy if you buy a ticket to go see Weezer, they just play Pinkerton. They, in its oh yeah, entire. they only play that album. Yeah. yeah, which I don't play them because it's their best album. But uh, okay, so let's talk fat rec music. So me and you, uh, which listeners of the show will know, or we we uh, we we grew up as punk rockers, and and our our age group kind of put us in the area of that whole SoCal explosion. That's, yeah, you know yeah. when we were young, power punk when we were young teenagers. That's the stuff that we ate up and uh and there's been a lot of that just like recrammed down our throats lately in the form of the no effects uh autobiography that they came out with mm-hmm. 
and then and then just recently this week they finally released the Fat Rec, which is a documentary about the whole Fat Records. Which oh, I gotta see that. Yeah, it's I it's interesting. So, what did you think about the book? Um, it, it was it, it was kind of like life because <laughs> oh really? Because it was the lives of four people. <laughs> well, it's kind of like everyone's life in general. Uh huh. Because their early shit and when they were young, it was like awesome, and they were partying on tour and shit and then you know the, then fat wreck got popular or whatever in their like late 20s or whatever and they started making money and things were good then they lost all that money and now they're just old and there was like nothing to write about at the end it was like yeah i fucking like motorcycles and fat mike plays golf and then it was just old and it was over well first of all nobody in no effects lost any money they're all millionaires well you know what i mean and it was just kind of like the the thrill was gone. Yeah. And it was just like... Just <laughs> the desperation's old. gone. <laughs> yeah, it was just old people doing nothing. Well, that's what it is. And, and, and yeah, much like life, it turns to children. Like, now I have this family yeah. that I love. And there was nothing to write about. It was just, They kept just rehashing the old days. And then it was like... then It, it went from like ribbed... And then Punk and Drublet came out, and then they started seeing fame. Then they just burned through the rest of the albums, and it was over. <laughs> um, I the 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 thing that fascinated me the most in that book was the dog patch winos. The whole book's about Smelly. Yeah, it, yeah, book. yeah. Number one, I there would be no no effects without Smelly. I had no idea that he was such a a giant uh, piece of shit. Well, yeah, piece of shit, <laughs> right. So we're talking about the drummer of the band No Effects, who who uh, you know, like when you're when you're younger and you and you watch a band and you listen to a band, of course you're gonna want to you're automatically attracted to the fucking you know to the Mick Jaggers or the Keith Richards or the you know Axl Roses or the Slashes, and you don't really you know nobody's really wondering about the dudes in the back, but in No Effects, the most interesting character in the whole band by far is the nondescript sober drummer, <laughs> because that was the thing about Smelly. Is that you know by the time that they they came into our grasp you know like he was already sober he was already sober he he always just kept a shaved head he doesn't he doesn't have crazy tattoos and he's he's not like this like bright personality he was always just the quiet sober drummer with no effects so everyone's just like yeah whatever with this dude yeah. turns out that he's the biggest savage in that <laughs> whole band the the reason that he had to get sober is because he was so off the fucking rails the song Moron Brothers is written about him <laughs> and his dirtbag buddy <laughs> if, yeah if you know the song moron brothers by no effects which which you know my whole life i listened to that song and just thought that they maybe were talking about two friends that they knew <laughs> yeah, or like shit. these made up people that they'd think about but no they were singing about their drummer <laughs> and a guy that went on every tour with them who were legit just pieces of shit <laughs> the thing the thing that uh <laughs> the thing that got me the most was they told that story about there was that girl who was nice enough to um she wanted to fuck the moron bros <laughs> well no not that chick that yeah that's J- J- jenny so many times yeah, i gotta yeah, get yeah. away and and uh and he like right in front of her boyfriend like said that she or her boyfriend like caught her sucking his dick in the van and it was like crying or whatever <laughs> but no they st- they told a story about how they stayed at um some chick's apartment when they're on tour and she was like you guys can do whatever you want you can have whatever's in the fridge or whatever she was like i just have one thing and it was some sort of like jello gelatin thing in the fridge that was a science project for her college the next day <laughs> and she said to them like do anything you want just please do not touch that i need this for like this is a a pass or fail thing for my college like <laughs> doctorate or whatever and of course they fucking just destroyed it and like 
pissed on it and ate it and fucked it up on purpose. The best is when he said he uh, would take a shit and then take someone's pillowcase and turn it inside out and wipe his ass with the pillowcase and then put it back the normal way and be like, it would take him forever to find out where the smell was coming from. (laughs) Yeah, he ended up being the biggest savage of them all. And then also, well, probably... Probably um, not as big as Fat Mike because Fat Mike owns Fat Records, obviously. But um, probably ended up being the wealthiest in the band because he came up with those uh, fucking videos. Him, him, and his like buddies started recording. What were they racing videos or yeah, whatever they were? Um, um, motor cross, motor cross yeah. videos. They blew the fuck up and yeah. it was like giant. I had no i i I know nothing about motor cross. But I, when he brought up the name of that company, I knew the name of that company. I had no idea that he was a co-owner of that company, yeah, and that yeah. was all those guys. Yeah. Like, so he's fucking a multi-millionaire. Yeah. Went from being a savage fucking heroin addict maniac, mm-hmm. shitting in people's pillowcases and eating science projects, pissing on everything, fucking everyone's girlfriends, just being an asshole that nobody liked. Yeah. Like, if Fat Mike has to come to you and say, hey, man, if you don't clean up, you have to get out of fucking no effects. Like, you are the biggest dirtbag <laughs> Well, in the at world. the time, Fat Mike was straight edge. Well, he wasn't straight edge, but he wasn't. Uh, yeah, but no, I don't, he wouldn't even do anything. No, he, yeah, he always drank. No, oh, drank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's yeah, that's his thing, and he brings that up in the documentary where he says, uh, you know, he, he, I follow him on Instagram and stuff, and apparently he's sober now. Like he just went through detox and, and he's getting sober and shit because he started becoming a bad pillhead. Yeah, well, I think he's always been a pillhead. Really? Like, yeah, but um, <laughs> he's a pillow. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, he, his whole thing was, and even in the in the documentary, he says it where they're like, uh, the guy from Asian, the guy who owns Asian Man Records, kind of calls him out, and he's like, the only thing I don't like about Fat Mike is that he's so open about his drug abuse and his alcohol abuse, and he's like, there's kids all over the world that look up to this guy, and he's sitting there saying, you know, do drugs, do this or whatever, and Fat Mike's kind of like, I'm not telling any kids to do drugs. I'm telling them to to make a bunch of money and then start doing drugs in your 30s like I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's legitimately what he did. You know, he 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 was like a businessman. He went to school, mm-hmm. uh, got his degree, wanted to be a real estate agent, and then d- couldn't make that work. So he went on tour with his band, started a company, worked all his 20s to make the company big. By, by the stroke of fucking l- the biggest luck in the world, it just happened that the music that he was pushing ended up being the most popular music at that time. Yeah. Made a ton of, tons of cash. And then when he was was like 32 years old he's like i guess i'll finally start using coke yeah. and then just fucking was in you know, and for the next two decades just became a drug addict i don't know there's something admirable in that i guess <laughs> yeah, I don't a little know. bit yeah yeah let's, talk, let's bring it back to smelly for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> there was uh one part of the book like not the book you want to read when you're like trying to get sober <laughs> because all he talks about is dope the whole entire book. why who's trying to get sober that read that book what I said, who's trying to get sober that read that Probably book? Probably everybody that reads mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But there's one part where he talks about that that alias dude, Raymond, <laughs> about how he turned him into a dope head, that piece of shit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and uh, he's like, um, you know, something about being a dope head, that when you just think about heroin or smell it, it just makes you nauseous. And he's like, and then I remember... Uh, I get because in California, I guess they get that black tar heroin. And he's like, Raymond uh, busts out a little black marble heroin. And excuse me, I'll be right back. <laughs> and he goes and throws up. <laughs> He's like, sometimes I'm walking by a store and I smell it. I know what he's talking It smells like that baby vitamin shit that when you were a kid, you used to get it in drops in your mouth that if you smell it, like, you get nauseous. That's what heroin smells like? Sometimes. That's weird. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I've ever smelt, smelled heroin. That's what it smells like. If it's like good, it smells like that baby vitamin shit. That's weird. <laughs> it's like, an, it's a weird, inten- like, I know what Coke smells like. Yeah. 
because I've smelled it before. <laughs> and um, Very closely. <laughs> I, yeah, I smelled Coke as, as closely as you could possibly <laughs> smell Coke. <laughs> and um, and that that's a weird... Every once in a while, I get this weird thing where I smell it out of nowhere. <laughs> you feel like you get an old drip? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been stored for years. <laughs> Well, I've told you this story a million times, and I don't know if I ever told it on the podcast or not, but um, I stopped doing that at a, at a fairly young age. Like, I, I had a pretty, I had a pretty intense uh, like relationship with it for a little bit, but then because smelled it a lot, because yeah, I, I just really enjoyed the smell of it. So uh, I was smelling it all the time, like a lot of it. Like I was smelling more of it than I could even afford to <laughs> smell. Breathing it in, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like a lot of my life for a little bit was consumed with smelling that shit. <laughs> and, and, uh, but then a giant thing, a, a giant moment in my life happened, which pretty much forced me off of any sort of harder, uh, narcotics. And there was a point in time where I was actually driving and I had been off it for a while. And, uh, and I was worried, basically what happened had to do with my heart and and i was and there was a long time where i was very uh anxious about my my heart condition and was worried about anything that like i wouldn't even drink anything with caffeine in it i was worried about any sort of anything having my heart cuz i just thought it was going to stop and i was actually driving down to stockton to see you one night <laughs> and this has probably been it had probably been a year <laughs> you got a little pre-gaming in <laughs> <laughs> no i wish yeah you got you got an old drip <laughs> i it had probably been a good year since i had smelled any sort of cocaine right and i was driving and just listening to the fucking music i was in the pontiac 6000 just fucking cruising <laughs> and uh I was all of a sudden smelt coke like it, and I was like man why does the car smell like coke and then I went like that and got the biggest drip <laughs> of fucking I knew, I tasted it it slid down my throat I tasted it, had to be it something else No it was it was there it was like st- <laughs> you know, remember how you said when you uh you got your tonsils taken out it was all it in, was your, in, my sinuses, it was in your sinuses yeah. and uh I've always had sinus problems and Stash it away for later. I tasted it. It was there. It fucking threw it out. And then Did I... Did you get high? Well, I don't know because <laughs> as soon as that happened, I went into the biggest panic attack of all time because all I could think about is, holy shit, I just swallowed a bunch of coke. I just did coke. And the doctor told me if I ever did coke again, I'll die. Am I going to die in the Pontiac 6000 going down the, the parkway to the Pine Barrens? You go right back in that same ditch you fell in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it was scary. But I made it out. I made it through. <laughs> anyway, I digress. I don't know how we even got on that, but um, oh, the smell, the smell, the smell yeah. it's weird. So anyway, yeah. every once in a while, I'll smell that, and it's one of those things where you can't. Can you describe the smell of cocaine? No, to me, it just smells like chemically chemicals. But it's not. It's not like it's it, nice though. Yeah, it's a nice chemical <laughs> smell. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was gonna it's say. A smooth chemical. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> Eddie, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? It's a smooth Eddie? chemical. Um. Yeah, it's a it's a smooth chemical. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, anyway, so yes, Eric Sandlin. What's his name? Eric Sandlin. Eric Sandin. Yeah, Sandin. Yeah. It was a fucking maniac. Yeah, and uh, and uh, it, it, that was one of the most interesting things about the book. Is yeah, it was. It's like they they write the book according to each member's point of view. So it'll be like Fat Mike, 
Mel- so Melvin got no play. <laughs> there was like two paragraphs about Melvin. Yeah. But it would be like He's got a smelly- big nose, a big dick, and fucking... <laughs> Sme- he looks like an ape. <laughs> smelly, Mike, Smelly, Melvin, Hefe, Smelly. <laughs> I just would always come back to Smelly, Smelly. The whole book is about Smelly. My my favorite thing about Hefe... Well, I, I like the fact that, uh, that El Hefe, who, for anybody who doesn't know, is the rhythm guitar player, who came in a little bit later, had nothing to do with punk rock. Didn't even like punk rock. He was like in this fucking... Um, like mariachi band and Crystal shit sphere yeah and fucking uh and then got in there and what he used to used to fake it he said that in the beginning like they, they'd be interviewed and no when he was in no effects and they're like what's your favorite punk band and he would just say to the sen- he yeah. said he would just say to descendants because that was the only band that the rest of the guys would play that he didn't absolutely hate yeah and he would be like yeah, i guess i like the descendants and uh <laughs> i thought that was pretty fucking interesting but now that i think about it it does make sense because he's like a real deal guitar player. Yeah. Well, that's when they got good was after Hefe because he taught them like how to intonate their guitars. He taught them how to like record better, how to mix Fat Mike's voice. Right. And you could kind of tell because what's the first thing Hefe was on was what? The Longest, longest Line. line. Mm-hmm. Like after that is when their albums got better. Yeah. You know. And, and Fat Mike even says something in the book which is pretty interesting where, you know, they were writing like uh, S&M Airlines and, and, and shit like that. But then he... Um, there was a certain turning point where I think he heard Suffer by Bad Religion. And he was like, all right, you know, like, no effects sucks. Like, my band sucks. And I'm just trying to write this weird punk music. I'm going to actually try to write some, like, melodic punk shit. And then that's when... The, the no effects that you think of, the music that you, you think of, like that, that great span of White Trash and, and uh, Punk and Drublick and all that shit, mm-hmm. it, you know, came from that, of him just being like, okay, I'm going to try to write some real songs. You know? Well, they even tried it on Ribbed, because Ribbed is kind of good. Yeah, yeah. Ribbed yeah. is a good album. They, they tried it on Ribbed, but they didn't have Hefe yet. Right. You know, so it's still kind of shitty, but, you know, it's a the more Suffer-influenced album. You right. Know? Well... It, 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 this is, now bringing it to the documentary because I, I watched uh, a Fat Wreck, which is the documentary, which I recommend anybody who's into that era, which I'm sure a lot of people listening to the show are. Uh, it's it's worth watching. You know, it's a good documentary on something that was a major player in that time. The thing that um, that I walked away from watching that film, and it was the same thing that I kind of felt reading that book was. How much? And, and now I'm not. I'm not saying that that Fat like obviously No Effects is a great band. I like that band. Uh, obviously, Fat Wreck put out some amazing albums. My favorite band of all time ever on the face of the planet was on Fat Records. And if it wasn't for them, I would have never found them. And uh, so I'm not taking anything away from them. But the whole thing, and I guess this has to do with any career. But the whole thing just was predicated on so much being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And with no effects, it's a, like that was the same thing. Like you're just talking about like Fat Mike just decided to start trying to write better songs. El Jefe just happened to come into the band. And at the same time, that music, because of Bad Religion and, and shit like that, like started to pick up a little bit. Nirvana broke and started giving punk rock yeah. some airplay. I mean, they gave a lot of credit to Nirvana, you know, mm-hmm. but I really think it's Green Day. Well, I but I mean, without Nirvana, Nirvana there Green, wouldn't be great. Would there yeah, be Green Day? Yeah. Right? I, I think I think the whole the whole pop punk uh, and um, movement. And I hate I you know I really don't like describing the the Fat Wreck and Epitaph bands as pop punk. There's certainly pop punk bands on there, but when I think of pop punk, I think of like Blink One Eight Two and yeah. Sum Forty One and shit like that. But anyway, 
for lack of a better term, the whole pop punk, meaning the, 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 the punk rock that became available to the mainstream on the radio in the early 90s, yeah. that all started at Nirvana. They, they opened that door. You know, As soon as Nevermind came out and, and knocked Michael Jackson off the top, everybody was just waiting for the next Nirvana. And there just happened to be these three maniacs in, fucking, in Berkeley, California, or wherever the fuck they were, in Oakland or whatever, that already had a huge following. The records label was like, okay, you're the next one. And that just happened to be right, Green Day. Right. You know, and then Green Day just happened to be already friends with fucking rancid and no effects and all those bands and it just it just blew up from there but nirvana is certainly is the reason that all of that was was uh you know that happened so yeah so you take that mixture you take the mixture of nirvana becoming huge out of nowhere uh, and green day if you want to use them uh, as well uh and then and then uh the fact that like the when they talk about it in the um in the documentary you know, the first three bands that Fat Mike signed to Fat Records were Lagwagon, No Use for a Name, and Propagandy. Yeah. yeah. And, like, when you look back at those three bands, I mean, those are Fat... That is Fat Records. Right. You know? As we know it. Yeah. You know, you get that Survival of the Fattest EP, and those were the bands we listened to nonstop. Oh, right. Yeah. And, and, and But they're all solid bands, you know? And then you had No Effects in there. Um, and, and, I mean, that's four pretty fucking solid bands. But, the, but if... And they, and I'm sure they would have had some sort of underground success and everything like that. But, but if it wasn't at that very fucking tiny sliver of time where that became such a viable commodity, that music, you know, like, like, uh, it, it's weird. They're all millionaires and, yeah. and they probably would not have been, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting. And it speaks a lot for success because I think about success a lot, you know. I'm at the point in my life where I've had a tiny bit of success here, a tiny bit of success there, but nothing on a grand scale. And uh, and I and and I always like I think about it and stuff. But it 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 is such a fragile thing that comes down to like a lot of fucking luck. And yeah. that's not to dismiss hard work because of course you you know you want to you want to work hard to be able to be in the position to receive that stroke of luck. But well, especially with like music and and artsy stuff like uh, that that definitely comes down to trends. You know, because if you're doing something that isn't, you know, even if it's fucking amazing and it's uh, it's a work of art and it should be noticed, mm-hmm. if it's not part of the trends, people kind of dismiss it. Right. That's you know, what I'm saying. It gets overlooked. Like, what is this stuff? But if, you know, if something goes mainstream in that department, all of a sudden it's like, wow, look, check this out. Right. You know? Yeah. It's fucked up. But it, it, it's it's just crazy that, it, you know, I read I read a lot of uh, biographies retrospectives i watch a ton of documentaries like that's literally in my old age is like i'm becoming that dude where i just want to throw on reading glasses and sit there and read somebody's story and one of the reasons why is i just i like people's process that's why i listen to so many podcasts that interview people um i like hearing people who have garnered success in their in their creative uh you know careers or aspirations i like reading about how they've gotten there and I've and I and I and learning how they've got there and I and I've I've taken in so many of these stories at this point and they all come back to pretty much one theme and and for the most part it's always being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. There's always one intangible break that happens to somebody that 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 has some sort of success in the literary art, music, uh film world whatever it may be that's really just knowing the right person or being in a place at the right time and it's, it's well, that's why they call it a break, I guess. Yeah, it's just you know? it's crazy. It's it's you know and um and you know fat rec has uh, been something that's always just been there my whole life. You know since I was twelve years old that shit or whatever or thirteen years old or whatever that shit's just been there. And to watch that documentary and see that was and and see how like 
that could have not that could not have been a thing so easily. You know, yeah. us being us being teenagers in and now and people listening to this podcast got to understand that this was before the internet. So you know, like like the fact that we were we were these punk rock teenagers on in New Jersey, in New Jersey yeah. and we're able to get this at the time. You know, uh, underground music from Southern California to us that, that changed our lives. You know, that could easily not have happened. Right. Well, that's when touring was like the most important thing in the world because that's exactly what happened. We saw no effects at the Stone Pony in the early 90s. They handed out those Survivor the Fattest compilations. We were like, wow, every band on this fucking thing is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that's when you go buy records and then people bought their out. Al- it's like we didn't download anything. We just right. went and bought the albums. Right. You know, that's really it. Yeah. How else did we know? The fucking comp. You know, he went out and handed that comp to every tour, every show they went to. Yeah. And they got fucking. And they talk about the fat rat comps. And, um, and it's funny. There's a, there's this band, uh, Protest the Hero. Have you ever heard about them? Yeah. They're like, I think they're more of like a progressive band. They're out of Canada, but they were talking to the guitar player and he told my story. He legit told the same story that if somebody was to interview me, like say I was in a band and they were going to talk to me about my influences or whatever, I was stunned when he said it. He said he went to an OFX show. They gave him the fucking Fat Music for Fat People fucking uh, comp. The first song on the Fat Music for Fat People comp was Anti-Manifesto by Propagandi. He said he put it on. He heard that song and he heard his favorite band for the, for the rest of his life. And that's it, it, uh, it happened to me uh, on a different comp. I went to a no effect show at the Stone Pony and got Survival of the Fattest Comp and heard, uh, and you thought nation states were a bad idea, which was like track number four by Propagandi, but it was the same thing. Just changed my fucking life, and they've been my favorite band ever since then. And it was weird to hear this dude, you know, from Canada, I mean, yeah. uh, you know, like, like tell the same exact story about the same exact band. And, and how much it changed his life, there's my shit. I was like, fuck, you know, like, I get it. It gave me, like, that, it almost gave me that weird sense of community that we used to have when we were young and in the punk scene where, you know, like, I was like, like, I, I that dude, I don't know who he is. I don't even really like his band that much. But now I feel a kinship to this guy for the rest of my <laughs> life because we legit had the same exact experience with the same fucking band, you know, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. And the other thing that I... uh the other thing that I, I um, learned by watching the Fat, a Fat Wreck which, uh, documentary was that uh, after 20-something years, nobody, including the people that put out the records and played with the band, still knows how to pronounce propaganda. Oh, yeah? <laughs> they, inter- they interview everybody in propaganda, including John K. Sampson and, and Todd and, and everybody in it, and everybody in the band says propaganda, propaganda, and then when they talk to Fat Mike or Joey Cape or anything, they're all propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. I always thought it was propaganda. Uh, well, I, I understand why people think it's propaganda because, you know, it's a play on Gandhi, Gandhi or yeah. whatever. But you listen to the people in the band say it and they say – and I, now I know they're Canadian, so maybe there's that kind of thing. But, you know, everybody in the band says propaganda and then they're talking to Fat Mike and he's like, yeah, propaganda. propaganda. And I was like, you put out the – you know, <laughs> no FX. I don't know. Like, how, you know, whatever. So, But anyway, it's a good – I would break – for any of you uh, – People that were alive in that era and enjoyed that music even a little bit. It's a good documentary. It's worth watching. The yeah. puppet thing gets a little weird. They use puppets a lot. They use puppets. Yeah, because, you know, to recreate scenes, you know. So, like, when, when like, Fat Mike's telling the story about something, there'll be, like, a Fat Mike and a Joey Cape puppet. And really? Like, they use, like, they're, like, a Muppets that they use, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but that's a little weird. Whatever. It's, it's worth watching. All right. Well, um we definitely just did a half hour on, on uh, SoCal punk music. Yeah, well, it's pretty much the most interesting thing that's ever happened in our lives. 
<laughs> uh, it's up there. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else do you have written down on your list of fun shit? Uh, not much. Really? <laughs> that was it? Just the, fa- just the, uh, fa- or the, uh, the no effects book. book? No. What I was going to say was that I don't know anything that's going on in the world today because I've been laying in bed sick, dying, that I filled you in on me last time. So I want to know what's going on in this world. Uh, you want to know what's going on? Oh, yeah. so thank you. That hurts because you don't want to know what's going on with me. You want to know <laughs> well, what's going on in the world. Well, you know what I mean. Well, uh, I guess, I mean, I guess the biggest thing that's going on in the world is the fact that our fucking, uh, our president-elect is a reality television star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I heard that uh, there's kids in college that get days off to deal with the fact that he's president until so they could, like, remorse. <clears throat> yeah. Is that fucking true? Liberal uh, liberal um, colleges are, are definitely off the fucking chains right yeah. now. Yeah. Now... And people are beating up... People are, like, rioting and beating people up. Is that true? Uh, that's happening. There's protests that are going on that are becoming violent. Uh, so stupid. The world is in a giant disconnect right now. And and both sides are wrong. Both sides are wrong. The extreme of both sides are wrong. And And what, and what people need to know... With me, and and uh, and I'm sure from if they if they are long term listeners of this podcast, they already have come to this conclusion. But I'm I'm a very liberal dude. I'm you know I'm a very left liberal open person. I'm pro everything that you could possibly be pro liberal. You know I want the gays to be married. I want the, the abortion to be fucking there. I want drugs to be legalized. I want I want free health care and free education. I want all that shit. Um, but. The, the what you're referring to the the college the shit that's going on in college campuses the people the fact yeah, that there's people, people being little bitches the fact that there's people out there protesting like that or whatever I I can't get behind that it's it's ridiculous yeah what are they protesting the fact that he's president yeah and and, and here's the deal like here here's the thing that bothers me the most uh, about this whole situation is um and uh, I and you know social media has played such a big deal in this and and especially the few days after the presidency. When uh, when everybody was was emotionally reacting to it and everything, and I was sifting through all these people who I would consider friends' reactions to th- what was going on, um, it, 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 the, it, everybody the thing that the thing that gets me the most is out of nowhere, everybody was acting like the choice was between this evil fucking dictator who is absolutely going to be the end of the world as we know it, and some saint. Some fucking saint on a pedestal that was that was there to fucking uh, for everything that the people on the left wanted, and that's just not true. Like that's that's what honestly bothers me the most is the people that out of for for convenience, there's some sort of this like plausible deniability that. Wait, pe- you're saying that Hillary was the saint? Yeah, uh, but I, that's, thought you, I thought you were talking about uh, <coughs> Bernie Sanders. No, no, but that well, Bernie Sanders was, but like that's what I'm saying. If this was Trump Sanders. And people were acting this way. I would understand. It would still be annoying, but I would understand it a little bit. Yeah. But the fact that people are acting like uh, that if Hillary Clinton got in, that everything would be so much different is dumbfounding to me. Because if you all you have to do is read up on the woman for thirty seconds, and you'll see who she really is. You know, the people are. You know, like and and I have a I have a lot of uh, of gay. And uh, or at least gay, you know, pro-gay uh, friends on Facebook and stuff like that, and uh, and I'm always 100% behind their their fights and their play always. Um, but I I've seen so many of them at this point be like, you know, to be to be um, 
a uh, to be a, a gay, you know, LBG, what is it? LBQT. Yeah, so many. LBQT uh, person in America. It's a scary time to be an LBQT person in America. And I don't want our, um, our, our you know, rights to marry be taken What's back. What's Q? Queer, I believe. Oh, I thought it was quasi. <laughs> <laughs> what is no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's hemi semi demi quaver. Yeah, I was, that's what I was thinking. Um, I was for some reason I was thinking LBGYM. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That's uh, those are gynecologists, aren't they? L- L- oh, OBGYM. OBGYM. <laughs> <laughs> is that a gynecologist or is that some sort of lube that people use for sex? That's, I think it's the person that like delivers your baby. <laughs> that puts that thing in. We yeah okay. Uh, so anyway, that's what I'm saying. I'm so misinformed. Yeah. Well, the the thing the thing that that bothers me the most is that they're they're out of nowhere acting like and and I and I um I I understand where they're coming from and and I want them to feel safe and Donald Trump is certainly not the person that that's going to make them feel safe and I understand that and I understand they're upset they're upset but to act like if Hillary Clinton was there that things would be different is just wrong. Yeah, that she Hillary Clinton was outspokenly against gay marriage until 2012 or 2013, uh, and that's just documented. The woman doesn't isn't there for gay people. It, she's not. She she never has been. She changed her her uh, her stance on it when she knew that she was going to run on a democratic platform for president, and that's something that you have to be a leftist on. She changed for that, but but inherently she's she's not that person. So. And 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 I understand that Donald Trump is is a bad like I'm I'm ashamed that that I live in a country that 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 you know made him president. I'm not a Donald Trump fan, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is that the disconnect that's there in in the information and or just the the, the just I think it's selected uh, being naive selectively. Like people are just willing to say that Hillary Clinton was a saint. Just to make the point that Donald Trump is yeah. is uh, is evil nah. when when they're so much closer together than you could ever think, and to fear and and people have it in their heads that there would there would have been this leftist utopia if, if Hillary Clinton got into office, uh, and that's just not true. It's just not there, you know. And uh, that's what really bothers me the most about this whole thing. I just I don't understand where this came from, you know. I get the it's, I get it's just because it would have been uh, the opposite no matter what, you know. It, it's. Just because he became president, they're thinking that it would have been different. Just because there there would be no proof otherwise. Yeah, she's right. Because if she was president and things sucked, then they would they would know, you know. But they're now they'll never know because she's not. So they're going to say it would have been better. Right, you know? right, and that and that's that's what kind of bothers me. There's no it, everyone's just running off of emotions right now, yeah. and 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 not taking any sort of any hard information, and in, you know. And and it's just not, it's just not true. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Look, here's the thing with the Donald Trump thing is I'm worried about it. You know, this this is a this is an America that we now in our mid 30s are inheriting. You know, like we are the ones with children now. We are the ones that are that are at certain points in our careers. Uh, not us, obviously. I'm talking about <laughs> I'm talking about America as a whole. We're just two idiots in a fucking studio podcasting. So honestly, with no money or, or prospects, from no who gives a shit? But I'm talking about our generation in a whole. You know, we are the, we are the ones that are going to be the the lead, the next 
people on deck. We're in the batting circle as far as becoming leaders of this country and 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 all that stuff. So, the, the, whoever this president is, which is you know Donald Trump, obviously is is going to affect us in a big way. So I'm I'm in on it. I'm there, and I'm worried about it. But I'm also willing to give the guy a chance be- yeah. before before it's time to fucking like freak out or you know pull all my savings out of banks and 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 build a fucking bunker in my backyard and take shelter style like you know the, I guess what I'm saying is the overreaction to this is stunning to me. I understand concern. I understand if you if you're uh if you're uh LBG why can't I say it? LBGYN? L- if you're an OBGYN in uh in America, now if you're LBQT uh, in America or if you're um if you're a minority in America, if you're Muslim in America, if you're like I understand the 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 concern out there. I completely understand it. But I mean, it, it's just I think it the mob mentality and the uh, and the building on top of that and the, it, everything has just reached such a fever pitch that it's almost uh, like crazy to to even try to comprehend how insane people are acting over this before the guy even got in you know the whole beating people up thing is stupid that's just like an excuse to beat people up and rob them right you know that's like this the fucking rodney king riots some guy gets beat up so you loot a store right right (laughs) you know it's like an excuse to get free tvs (laughs) right and there's so much ego that's another thing you know i i sift through these social media posts and all this stuff and there's so much ego involved in it you know, it, it like even and again, this is what what I was saying before, where the, the I believe that the extreme left and the extreme right are both wrong in this, is that you read their posts and it's hard not to see the me 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 coming mm-hmm. out of it. You know, like I understand everybody wants to feel safe. I understand that everybody wants certain rights and all that stuff, and that should totally be there. But but a lot of it is is people di- finally using this as and 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 it's it's a it's a byproduct of us having this stuff like Facebook and Twitter and, and all that stuff where people can literally go on and say whatever they want whenever they want. We finally became accustomed to that. So I think everything has kind of reached like a boiling point at the same time, you know, like and uh, and Donald Trump becoming president is just everybody's pinpointed on that. Yeah. And then everybody's egos are are being uh you know uh, are, are being appeased or or whatever through that i guess is what i'm trying to say obviously not as eloquently as i'd like to but hey, does that make any sense yeah it totally you know? does yeah i i see things that same way you know i mean i try not to even think about things you know mm-hmm. so i spend the last couple of weeks just curled up to a ball underneath my blanket mm-hmm. you know and just don't even like look at anything was that really what happened richard is that be honest here now to the A High Five listeners. You weren't sick. You didn't have to let anybody move. You didn't fall in into depression. Uh, October 8th, when they finally announced that Donald Trump is president, you just put your Snuggie over your head and just went to sleep for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it. It's it's not. It, we are living in, in a weird, weird, weird fucking time right now. But you know what? The thing is, I listened to a few podcasts, surprisingly, um, which really... You know, speaking of no effects, you know the line, the people's revolution is going to be a podcast? They're fucking, they were on the nose with that because it, it's, it really is the last bastion of free speech. And, and this is another thing. Man, you got me started on this. I'm sorry. I'm just going <laughs> to go. I'm just, just going to go. Um, uh, uh, the, the other thing that, that is huge in this, in this uh, election cycle that we just went through is that I, I think more and more and more and more people are realizing that, that mainstream media cannot be trusted. 
I think if they're, they're good, they should fucking realize. Right, that. No, right, exactly. And uh, and and how that, do you not realize that? Well, you know, so many, but because people will just believe what you tell yeah, them. Yeah, that's the most amazing thing about all this is that people just don't see things for what they are. Right. Right. How? But because because people read a book. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm talking about, and that goes back to the thing about Hillary Clinton. All you have to do is Google Hillary Clinton and go to to real websites that that give you real information. You know, and and read, and that's all you have to do. It like, takes 20 minutes. People pick their presidential candidate like how old women pick the football team they want to win. The best I, colors. Yeah, I like the blue team. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. And and um and when it comes to all the media, all the mainstream media outlets, and I'm talking about every single one of them. Like, of course, your CNNs, your Fox News, your MSNBCs. Like, of course, they can't be trusted. Of course, they're owned by corporations, and of course, they have political, uh, you know, leanings. And, and and agendas that they're they're according to, but even the internet site, the bigger internet sites that people feel like are for, they're not. They're all bought. They're all controlled. They're all told what to say. They're all manipulating us. And and uh, and I think that that has come to light more than anything in this election. So anyway, so therefore, it, what bring me back to the podcast is that the as far as podcasts being a revolution. It really is like the hard-on fucking Harrys of the world right now where there's real people doing some real journalistic stuff out there uh, and it's all through podcasts because they, they there's no censor there's they can't be censored they're yeah. cheap to do they don't need they don't need money to generate so there's people out there that are doing some real stuff um, and uh, I listened to a couple that really uh, set the thing straight with the Trump with me one of them was Sam Harris who I've brought up on here before he did a really great podcast uh the day after the election i believe and i don't know the name of it but if you if you go onto itunes and you look at the sam harris podcast this podcast isn't for everybody he's a real dry guy and he's an intellectual guy and he uses a lot of big words and, and even myself i get bored from it from time to time but he does this one uh about the the election um where he kind of just discusses why how why he thinks that we got to this point and one of the main points that he brings up and again he's a, he's a lefty he's probably a liberal you know one of the main points that he brings up is that this is a reaction uh, of all the people in the country against the alt, the ultra left liberals and yeah. uh, and the college campuses and the uh, all these fucking um, what are they what are they called now uh, you know the cisgender stuff what's that called the the pronouns or this you know how I, there's like these seventy different things that people want to be called now the crying the crying and safe zones on college campuses the uh, the you know the, the the every the whole world's against cyberbullying everybody gets a trophy everything like that he believes that the fact that we did elect this fucking big stupid fucking tyrant as our as our president is a natural yin to the yang of that being pre- you know prevalent in our society for yeah, so long yeah. you know mm-hmm. and he's not saying that that's bad um but because there certainly needs to be a general sensitivity and and everything but at the same time there's there's a homeostasis that needs to be kept yeah and this is just us evening that the scale back out so almost in a way uh it, it, all that that's gone on for so long now has kind of pushed the scales in the direction of okay all the other people who are like yo shut the fuck up you crying ass babies are finally letting their voices be heard because they're they're sick of how much of that they've had to digest through yeah. the last you know all right which makes it, a lot of sense if everybody's crying and everybody's bitching and the country's not doing so good of course you're just gonna want 
go the opposite direction, you know? Right. And naturally, like, again, like, uh, it, it might be a subconscious thing. Yeah. It's, it's water rising to its own level, you know? It's can't. And, uh, and, and when I heard that and I listened to that, and of course I'm not, I'm not putting it anywhere near as succinct as he did it. You know, he, he's, he's a great guy to listen to, but, but the point that he made in that really, uh, rang true to me a lot. I was like, that makes a ton of sense because when you think about it logically, you know, even if you're the most staunch Republican in the world, why the fuck would you vote for Donald Trump? I mean, the guy's a fucking joke. But there's so many people out there that, that were just so fucking like hard nosed. I'm voting for Trump. This guy's going to be the fucking president. You know, blah blah blah. In the same way that people all of a sudden now ha- have uh, this weird skewed vision of Hillary Clinton that she lost. Now all of a sudden she's some fucking saint that yeah. would have changed the world. Yeah, a martyr for the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. right. Like uh, it, it, it's almost that this- she's dying now that she wasn't. <laughs> That's almost the same thing that people had on the other side with Trump from the beginning where they were like, he, the guy could literally do whatever the fuck he, he could say and do whatever he wanted. I've never seen anything like that in my life. He could just be the most racist, bigoted fucking, or even forget that, just stupid. Just saying like shit that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> making words, fun of like a retarded kid. Yeah, <laughs> making fun of, yeah, uh, saying words that don't exist, like uh, everything. And, and, and all his supporters were just like, I don't care. I don't give a shit. This doesn't matter. This doesn't sway me. I'm voting for this guy. He's going to get in. And that's what happened, you know? And uh, at the very least, it's going to be interesting. That's all I could say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, politics and economics, they never really had an effect on me, so I really don't care that much. <laughs> well, it is kind of hard when you're, uh, you know, in, totally in the dregs. The in the, yeah. Totally off the grid. Uh, you know, I... It, um, it, but if we if we do ever uh, you know become normal human beings, th- this will this will have effect on us. I'm gonna do my best not to ever become that normal. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that kills me, and I've said this before, uh, on the, on the Republican side of things, and and also the Democrat side of things, because honestly, that's another thing that bothers me is to act like the Repu- Republicans and the Democrats are so fucking different and stupid to begin with. You know, like uh, like people that act like. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. You know the what only I'm... real difference is Democrat, Democratic parties are for more government and Republicans are for less government. Like, do it yourself, kind of. Right. But, but Republicans get lumped into the, we want to we wanna hoard all the money and, you know, we yeah. want the top to have the money. And Democrats, and Democrats are somehow looked at as people who, want to, who spread the wealth a little bit more and help the, the, the less, you know, like, enfranchised. But... It's kind of not true when it comes to uh, career politicians. All career politicians, they're all wealthy people who who uh, answer to the wealthy people. So both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were going to make sure that the, that the people with money are going to keep their money and the people without money are not going to have money. I mean, that's the, that's a part of government is in order to keep the, the general order of things. Yeah. You know, but um, all right. Now I totally lost my fucking train of thought. Where was I going with that? <laughs> so – just, just uh, how people just think they're so different. Oh, 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 yeah. So, but, um, man, I totally lost what I was going to say. Fuck, sorry. Anyway, it, it, but I guess what I was saying is I had a point about Donald Trump that I totally fucking lost. Because he's a rich bastard, and he's going to keep all the money any damn way. It's not like it's not like all people who voted for him are going to be like enjoying oh, the surplus. Got my, I, I got it back. Here, here's here's what I yeah exactly. Here's what I was going to say, and I've said it before on this podcast. The thing that bothers me the most is that people who are 
or, or if he, you can make an argument that the middle class doesn't even exist anymore, but but we don't even have to go that far down to into it. The people that let's just say airstrips are middle class. So let's say people that make uh, you know for their household anywhere from you know whatever the thing is fifty five thousand dollars to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year or whatever in a household. Like let's just say that's middle class America, right? Um, those people think that someday they're going to be wealthy. Yeah. They think that someday they're going to be rich. They mm-hmm. think that someday that the, this tax cut for the for the for the, for the wealthy and and all those things are going to yeah, they're going to be in that bracket. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and and we're taught to think that way from an early age mm-hmm. because as Americans we're sold the American dream from an early age, and and so people vote that way when in reality. And now, of course, somebody might fucking, you know, make a new app that makes them a billion dollars or, you know, somebody might start a, a fucking uh, a food truck that becomes a giant chain restaurant. I mean, the, those stories are out there and they happen all the time. But for the most part, if you're fucking making $75,000 a year, you know, working an okay job and you've got a family of four and you got your house and all that shit, that's the way your life is going to go. You're never, even if you made, you know, like when when they're talking about the wealthy, they're talking about the fucking wealthy people in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you make five hundred thousand dollars a year, they're not even talking about like the fucking bench players for the Knicks. You know, like they're not talking <laughs> about like people who we would consider wealthy. You know, they're not talking about those people. They're talking about the real wealthy people. Those are the interests. But we uh, are taught that we that in America, at any chance, you could become one of those people. So we vote that way. And it's crazy the amount of people that I see, again, like on social media and stuff, like friends of mine, I know what their jobs are. I know, I know how, you know, around about how much money they make and shit. And they have that sensibility and they back those claims made by those people because in their head, they feel like one day they're going to be fucking Jay-Z or some shit. And it's fucking, it's nuts. It's, 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 a, it's a general delusion and sickness that we all suffer from. And I think I might suffer from it too. I don't. I don't subscribe to Republican values and and stuff like that. But like, I guess like you know, it, there's times where I sit there and I think like, yeah, one day I'm gonna have a ton of cash. You know, like <laughs> why wouldn't I? You know, I work my ass off. I'm gonna have a ton of cash one day. But it's just not. Yeah, you know. the hopes of that is hitting a scratch off. <laughs> yeah, that's the fucking the hardest way to do it. And for some reason, if you hit the scratch off, if you hit the lottery, th- then your life just goes to shit. Yeah, why is that? Because it's money that people didn't earn. Yeah, it, you know, like, uh, yeah. I they, mean, they just start throwing it around to people, and like they get the MC Hammer disease. <laughs> What's that sickle cell? Yeah, you, <laughs> you just give it I out just to all that. the. I'm sorry. Bitches. That racist joke was just to make Richie laugh. <laughs> I'm just gonna put a little asterisk there. Um, uh, you get the 357 bitches wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I guess that that's that's what it is. It's the, you know, it's it's money that you don't because you know how you you uh, like. Let's say you go to AC, right? And you go there at five hundred dollars, and you end up winning fifteen hundred dollars. And fifteen hundred dollars isn't any amount of money by any stretch of the imagination. But you burn the fuck out of that. But that thousand dollars <laughs> doesn't mean fucking shit to you. Yeah, you, you'll buy a thousand dollars worth of fucking gin and tonics that night. Yeah, because you just won. You just won a thousand dollars, and then you come home and you still have. Hopefully, you still have your five hundred dollars, maybe even less. But you still feel like you won somehow because you had all this money to play with that night. Yeah, that's generally what the lottery is on a bigger fucking yeah, thing. True, true. You know, you you're making fifty thousand dollars a year. You win three million dollars in a lottery, and you. 
just think to yourself, okay, now I have $3 million to fucking play with. Mm-hmm. And you go and buy stupid shit and, and fucking, and then all of a sudden you're destitute and people change and what, you know, I've watched a lot of those shows that people like the fallout from the lottery. So crazy. It's nuts. So crazy. Like how do they let that shit happen? Well, because they don't know. They people, you know, m- handling money, being wealthy, is a is a skill set. You know, it's not. Yeah, but if you want all that money, wouldn't you make it a point to be like, all right, maybe I'll play with a little bit, but I'm gonna in- invest this into something that I can live the rest of my life. Yeah, off but of, not just fucking. You know, but you would think that hookers. <laughs> you would think that you honestly would, but but who knows how the way you would react? You yeah. know, like you just we're 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 just fucking apes. We're just <laughs> stupid apes. You know, we 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 think that we have this fucking <laughs> intelligence. Eric Melvin's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, big noses, big dicks, weird blue dreadlocks, <laughs> fucking uh, yeah. That's just that's just us, man. That's all all it is. Because you would think that, but then you look at all these stories from time to time about these fucking lottery things where people just you know, and and then it's also the people in your life, like you know, people fucking come out of the woodwork, like acting yeah. like they're friends because you have money and then people try to <laughs> yeah, fuck you over. Yeah, but who's dumb enough to be like, oh, I haven't seen you in 20 years. Here's a mill. Well, maybe, you know, somebody who's fucking lonely. Somebody, yeah. you know, like that, it, the, you know, like how many guys have gotten taken for half of their fucking money that they've they've worked their whole entire lives to get for some fucking chick because she came out of nowhere and was like, ooh, baby, what's up? And they're just like, yes, this this hot girl loves me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, they're out half of their fucking money. I mean, it happens every day. It's happening right now. Yeah. It's happening to a thousand people in America right this very they're fucking second. outside a Target, hose down, <laughs> asking for a shirt. There's somebody, there's somebody right now that's opening their door and there's a pizza delivery guy being like, oh, man, I just want to make sure this is the right house. What's your name again? And they're like, Joey Clark. And they're like, you've been served. That's happening... <laughs> right now this very second and and it's because we're just fucking crazy stupid apes that's that's literally what it comes down to yeah you're right but but yeah handling money especially um uh large sums of money is a skill set it's it's something that you need to learn and it's not something that everybody should do it's not that's the thing is it's very few people should actually be wealthy it's not you know it's weird the way that we get set up in this country as children the dream that we got sold we get sold that uh that we all feel like we're worthy of and that we should have some great wealth which is it's just not true you know know. it's it's i don't know i don't know this rant went fucking nuts i'm gonna go get some scratch-offs yeah, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> you never know. You you don't have any money. Don't please don't buy scratch offs. <laughs> Why don't you go buy some medication for whatever plague is ripping your organs open? <laughs> Try a little bit of the plague instead of buying scratch offs. <laughs> and you're and you're a great example of that because you've never ever been close to even having any sort of fucking <laughs> stability, let alone wealth. It was a short period. And the second that you get cash, you fucking that shit. You throw that shit out like it's on fucking fire. <laughs> You fucking like like if money's in your pocket, you freak the fuck out. <laughs> like <laughs> how how would you ever think that you would act with any sort of wealth? I don't know. No, you, Not I would, good. I would tell you how, and and all joking aside, you would die. <laughs> you would die. You I would know. you would buy you would buy a giant fucking house, and before they even dropped the love seat off, you'd be dead on <laughs> on the fucking carpet. And I'm not saying that meanly, but I just know you too well, and that's the way. And and honestly, dude, <laughs> honestly, uh, I think that I would be the same way. I would, you know, like, but you know, I I probably don't have such a direct route to it as you do, but but fucking like, I would probably like be like. 
on my banister with fucking all these naked chicks downstairs <laughs> past on the couch just funneling like a bottle of vodka like fuck the world and then just die that would be me you know like it would so happen right it's so right kind of makes me want to do that <laughs> I know. I, actually, I just, Sounds I just like, awesome. I thought about it. <laughs> there was a little pause for the both of us. <laughs> I thought about. it. I was like, man, that'd be a fucking way to go. Hell yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. That, I don't know. But yes, that's what's going on in the world. Is Donald Trump is our president? It's like it or up. not, he's our fucking president. Mm-hmm. Now let me let me say one more thing about that. And uh, and and I understand that um, the whole thing that's going on with Planned Parenthood is scary. Although Obama did just sign, well, what's going on with them? Well, the, you know the Republicans are have always been going after Planned Parenthood. They don't, you know, they, you know, abortions against God and all that fucking crazy bullshit. Um, but uh, but Obama just signed something. Um, I don't know exactly what it was that kind of protects Planned Parenthood and uh, and all that stuff. But the point I want to make about abortion is that, uh, and I'm 100 percent pro abortion, and I understand why people would would kind of be concerned that in the Trump administration, especially a full Republican-run Senate and House of Representatives and all branches of governments, which is like, you know, a scary fucking thing, how that might be a concern. But my point to people that are worried about abortion under Trump's uh, reign, let's use the word, is that if abortion was not made illegal under the eight years of George Bush, it's never going to be made illegal. Yeah, true. Because let me tell you something. That man was godly. George Bush was thought that he talked to God. <laughs> there is nobody in this world that was more against abortion. And at that time, Republicans had hold of the Senate and the House of Representatives. It was generally a Republican-run government. Um, and we had the guy down there that, that had God himself telling us that abortions shouldn't be fucking legal. And through eight and had two terms. And abortions never even came close to being made illegal. Here's the thing about Donald Trump that I know. I don't know much about the guy. I've never watched his television show. I don't give a fuck about money, so I, I don't see him as like a fucking uh, you know uh, a role model because I don't give a shit about what any of that real estate or any of that fucking shit. But there's one thing I know about Donald Trump is that he's a New York businessman. He made his bones being in New York. And there's no way that you make any sort of money in New York without at least being able to uh, to to be around and coexist with people like minorities and fucking and 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 shit like that you know it's just that that's just the way it works so like yes i i I understand people's concerns uh, about being a minority in the country right now but but i don't think and and maybe i'm just guessing and hoping on this but i don't think that it's going to be as bad as people think because he just can't be a racist like I, i just don't see him being a racist like, how could he make his money in New York City for so long? He's got to deal with everybody of every class, every race, everything, yeah. you know? But the, th- but the point I wanted to, the point I wanted to make about the abortions is that Donald Trump doesn't give a fuck about abortions. He's not coming for your fucking abortions, and I guarantee you the motherfucker's got notches on his belt with a fucking yeah, abortion. Yeah, no doubt. Like, I wonder how many abortions the mo- he has fucking paid for in his mm-hmm. life. He probably has his own clinic. The time to be worried about abortions going away was during the, the, the George Bush reign, and that didn't happen. So, I mean, I get it. People, people who have a vested interest in that, of course, you always have to protect what's yours and everything. But, uh, and I understand with the whole Planned Parenthood thing, but when I see people using that as their main jump-off point in this election, it's just like, come on. you know, like, And he's not going to really have time to. He's going to be a one-termer. You know, he's not really. Who knows? To do much. You know, who fucking knows? I don't know. You know, it's I don't you know, the, the, there's no way 
It, there's no and okay. Now we're running over. I want to make one more point, and this is something that I thought of myself because the one thing that really did astound me about this election was all of the things that Donald Trump said that, and then he still got elected, right? So, like, even if you're the most Republican person in the world, he certainly said something that went against your values or, or offended you, and he still got elected. And I was thinking a hypothesis that I came up with was that. I think all the years that we put up with uh, career politicians and their lies um, kind of went against everything right now in this, in this election because we just now are ingrained to think that whatever people say to, while they're running is just bullshit on either side. So like, you know, when somebody's running and they say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and it's positive shit that you want done and then it never gets done once they get in there. Mm-hmm. I think it worked on the adverse with Donald Trump where he was saying some horrible shit like I'm going to build a wall and I'm going to I'm going to deport Muslims and, and all this fucking shit that, you know, like I'm sure there's some people rednecks out there that want that shit or whatever. But for the most part, people yeah, don't want knew that. that wasn't going to happen. But everybody in there, in, even maybe subconsciously, was just like, yeah, yeah, he's saying that. But everybody just says bullshit when they run. Yeah, yeah. And I think all the years of putting up with bullshit politicians to quote an amazing propaganda song fucking um would just kind of uh, numbed us to the fact that that's what happens and it was one of the reasons that everybody was he was willing to get out there say the most crazy shit do the most crazy shit and still get elected yeah i don't know it's fucking nuts i miss your taste and you'll see fucking song you need tiny tim for the outskirts hell no this one stay we might change the opening song this one stays forever When you win a million dollars, professionally record this, and you uh, and you um, die on your carpet, on your newly installed carpet, like fucking, and I, and I walk into your house and I find your limp, lifeless body on the floor. I hope this is the song just playing on a loop <laughs> in the background, skipping on some like really crazy expensive stereo system, <laughs> like one of those things that in the '80s with like the big fucking LED monitors that bounce up, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. fucking things bounce up and down. The equalizer. I hope I die on a fresh carpet so it smells like fresh carpet. <laughs> I love that smell. You're going to die on that carpet before you can even vacuum up that white shit that you put in it to make it smell good? I love fresh carpet. I don't know why I'm joking about your death. I'm sorry. I always do. It's all good. Maybe it's because... Uh, oh, whatever. Look, let's get out of here. It's enough bullshit. Uh, welcome. welcome. Thank you for listening to the All Good iPad Podcast. Saturday edition. Death edition. <laughs> Uh, and we'll see you in a few short days if we're alive oh go on iTunes and leave a review bye surrounded by seeds I'm lost in the trees my thirst and hunger seem to increase thanks for listening to the awkward high five podcast For more episodes, visit awkwardhighfive.com.